Hey everyone, my name is Dr. Dolores Tarver. I'm a licensed psychologist here in Columbus, Georgia, and it is time for the tea. I created Tea Time with Dr. Tarver as a mechanism for people to learn more about themselves, have resources to be able to be their best version of themselves, and also be able to explore areas that you may not have realized were challenges. Now, this is in no way a substitute for therapy, but just a resource tool to be able to utilize you on your path to being that best version of yourself. So we are continuing on in the series that we've been discussing about how relationships we experienced earlier in our lives have affected us and showed up in our lives as adults. And so the first week we were talking about that um, avoidant or absent person in our lives. It could have been family members, could have been friends, could have been early relationships and how that affected us. Last week, we were talking about what happens when you grow up in an environment that's critical or negative. And this week, we will be discussing what it is like to grow up in an environment where there's a lot of fear around you, people that are anxious. So the topic for today is growing up fearful. So what does that look like? You may have grown up in a household or been around people who were simply just uncomfortable with you doing things. It may have been they were uncomfortable with you going out with friends. They didn't want you to join particular organizations or get involved in certain activities. They may have been the type to listen in on conversations, walk through that living area as you're having company to try and hear what was going on. They might have inserted themselves in conversations between you and your friends. They might have overwhelmed you with questions when you asked to do something or you expressed interest to the point where you were just like, never mind, not worth it. They may have questioned your ability to do things. Are you sure you can handle that? Maybe that's too much for you to be able to take on. Um, they are often people that are overreactive when you share information with them to the point where you don't want to share it because they're like, oh my goodness, that was dangerous. What if you would have hurt yourself or that could have turned out in a negative way? If you talk to them about like, oh, hey, my friend just let me know about this wine cooler or and you're like, oh, you're going you're on the path to be uh, an alcoholic. No, we were just talking about it in class or um, they saw a funny commercial about it. And so it is that kind of response to things that should be able to just be dialogues between people. But they put all of these things onto you, these worst case scenarios about what may happen. You may get robbed. You may be assaulted. You're going to be taken advantage of. You can't handle driving. Um, are you sure you're able to live on your own? And so it just makes you question whether or not you have the capacity to do something. Well, well, maybe I don't. Uh, they may have been people that did not talk to you about sex or relationships, your body at all, um, just interest in dating. They may have shunned it or wanted to stop you from dating. They may have, in fact, done very, a very good job of trying to hindering you from dating, um, not giving you access to a vehicle to go on dates, not allowing people to come over who are interested in you um, to see you and to potentially date you, sabotaging if they could, relationships, talking to you about this person, saying negative things about them. Well, um, I don't think they have your best interest heart. I don't think they're, they're good enough for you that you need to focus on your studying. Um, it might have been um, ways that they uh, uh, attempted to control you in terms of where you want to move in your life. Maybe you want to go off to school. Maybe you want to uh, pursue a job in a different area. And they are 
uh, we talked about last week being negative of it, but here is the, here's all the worst case scenarios that could possibly happen to you if you do that. So there's these constant threats to you if you're outside of this safe space that we have created for you. Um, don't have privacy. And so they may be the people that constantly require you to keep your door open, even as you're getting dressed in, in places where you would assume to have some level of privacy. They may not want you to have privacy because they're constantly monitoring and evaluating and observing you. If you come home um, and you changed your shirt, why did you change your shirt? That's not the shirt you had on earlier. Is that because you were engaging in some sexual activity? Have you been out skipping school, right? And it's like, I had gym class and was really sweaty. So I put on a different shirt that I had in my locker. Um, oftentimes they may be using the Bible or faith as a means to keep that person restricted, keep you from doing things. Uh, that's against our religious view. That's against, was against what God would want for you. And so it ends up being that anything that they're fearful of you doing becomes something that's a violation or a, or a sin, if you will, that we call them helicopter, um, where they're constantly hovering over thing. They want to do it every, over everything. They want to do things for you. You can't even make phone calls to attempt to learn how to address things yourself because they're right there interceding in everything that you're trying to do. Um, they justify that they love you as reasons to be restrictive and so cautious, constantly wanting you to check in. So in, in the likelihood that you are able to go somewhere, you have to constantly check in with them about what you're doing, who you're with. They may want to see you, you know, scan the room. Let me see who's there so I can make sure you're where you are. They may be to put people that want to put trackers on your devices, on your car. They may go to where you say you are and they may ride through or show up. Um, you can also see that in terms of the, the maybe hoarding behaviors or OCD behaviors where there is this um, responses to fear, fear of, of losing things, fear of something bad happening, uh, fear of what will happen if we don't keep this environment pristine. Um, they can also be people that engage in a lot of perfectionism type of behaviors, have these very high expectations and standards of you. Um, and what happens if you're not perfect? What happens if you don't reach this milestone? And so there's that fear of letting them down or this fear of me not being able to have a good life if I don't meet these standards. And so that fearful environment, as you can well imagine, shows up in our adult lives. And what are the ways that it shows up? Well, one, we can repeat some of those behaviors. So then we're overly cautious. We're overly fearful. We're scared to try new things. We feel like the world is dangerous and unsafe. We want to keep ourselves in this very small box and not move outside of it. So maybe I'm not engaging socially. Maybe I'm not attempting to move up in a job. Maybe I'm not even applying for jobs. That would be a challenge for me because I want to stay in this safe space or I want to stay maybe um, in the area where my parents live or maybe I, I'm too afraid to even move out on my own. I don't feel like other people can be trusted outside of maybe family members. I don't like changes in routine. I don't like when things are unpredictable or when people are spontaneous. That's uncomfortable for me and causes me considerable anxiety. I may have that desire to want to control things, to be able to get that anxiety better under control. I fear constantly that something bad is going to happen or I worry about the what ifs constantly and it stops me from being able to enjoy things because in my mind, I'm wondering, okay, what might happen? What might this person do? And so I don't feel safe. I have this need for safety, but I don't feel safe because I feel so fearful most of the time. That can 
you know, turn into social anxiety. So I'm not engaging. I'm not interacting with people. People make me uncomfortable because I may feel like people are predictable. I know the safety of the people in my family, how they're going to respond. I don't know how this other person is going to respond or how they may view me. Because again, maybe I was taught that people are unsafe and they're up to something. They're unsavory characters out there. And so I don't want to get close to you and trust you because you may be trying to take advantage of me in some way. So it stops us from being able to have the type of relationships that could be beneficial for us. This can also turn into an eating disorder for us. So we're using the restriction of our food as a way for us to be able to gain some control or we're overeating as a way to be able to deal with this uncomfortable emotion that we experience when we get anxious. We may be fearful of having to report back to our parents or report back to family members. Oh, I need to make sure that I'm doing everything that they told me to do so it doesn't cause a problem. I don't want to be ostracized from the family or be seen as somebody who's let the family down or, or violated some kind of tradition or some type of religious view even uh, within the family. And so I, I am um, terrified of doing anything with anyone else. Uh, because the family may get upset with me if I do. But then we can go in that other direction where we're so fearful, we're constantly using people for security. So now I'm engaging in relationships just because I want somebody there and I'm, I'm being clingy. And again, I'm repeating these behaviors. So I'm asking this person where they are. What are you doing? I haven't heard from you. You didn't return my phone call. You literally just called me five minutes ago. I was in the bathroom. But my anxiety is so high because I grew up in an environment where that's what I saw. And so that's coming across to people as very controlling. Now, really, I'm just anxious and worried and I'm calling you constantly to try to deal with the anxiety that I have. But that's not how it's going to be received because nobody likes constantly being checked on um, or, or constantly having to update someone or constantly having to reassure someone. Like that can be really exhausting. And people may find that they don't end up having relationships that last because people feel like, you know, you are a, a, a little overwhelming at times. And it's maybe just something that I can't handle right now. So then I begin to be ostracized. It may show up in my job where I am afraid that somebody is not going to think I'm competent or I'm fearful that I'm not competent myself. And so here in my mind, I'm not putting up for those promotions. I'm not uh, allowing myself to take on new tasks. I'm not challenging myself to be able to grow. I'm staying in this very comfortable role. So I end up in this entry level position for 15 years and I never allow myself to be able to see beyond that, even though people around me are getting promoted and they're moving on and people want to promote me, but I don't feel confident. And so that lack of confidence is showing up in my work performance. It could show up academically um, where we take courses that are easy for us, but we're not necessarily interested in, right? All of us have gifts and talents, strengths, things that we do really well, but that doesn't necessarily translate over into that's what I want to have as a career. But I may end up in some safe field, something that like, well, this is what the family does. This is what I'm good at. So I'm going to stay in this, even though I'm not happy. The family's accountants and I wanted to go into theater, but I didn't because theater is something that's risky and accounting is something that's safe in my family's perspective. I won't be able to find a job if I go into theater, right? So oftentimes we end up not allowing ourselves to do things that we enjoy to give us meaning and purpose because someone has told us that's not safe. That's not wise. That's not a good decision. Um, you're not going to be able to take care of yourself. That's not going to be productive for you. Right? So we don't even 
begin to think ourselves about what I want to do. I just think about what is safe for me to do in terms of how my family will approve. So what do we do, right? So we're in this position. We've grown up with fearful people. It is interfered with our ability to be the healthiest version of ourselves. And so how do I address this? Uh, well, first of all, I think it's important to understand what happened, right? So being able to explore what were the things that I learned growing up in this very anxious, fearful environment. What are some things that I may be telling myself that aren't necessarily true, but they are some things that the people around me believed. And so I've just taken on those beliefs for myself instead of challenging whether or not they are accurate for me. And so I need to be thinking about, well, what do I actually believe? I know what they told me and I know what they believe, but what do I really believe? And we can begin to start questioning. We call it counterstatement. So let me start thinking about, um, okay, so the world is not safe. Well, I'm absolutely certain that there are some places that are riskier to go than other places, but I'm fairly certain I can go to the grocery store and go over and get some bananas and the likelihood that I'll be able to emerge from that grocery trip unscathed is, is relatively high. So let me question these fearful statements. Let me find evidence to support when that fearful thing did not happen. Let me think about if I can replace this fearful thought with one that's more accurate. So yes, I am afraid. That doesn't mean that I don't have the ability to do it. Um, and I found that when I've tried things before, I've been able to be successful. So kind of gathering that evidence, if you will, to disprove that statement. So what evidence do I have to support that this catastrophic thing is going to happen? Okay, not a lot. What evidence do I have to support that that's not going to happen? A good bit, actually. Um, managing our own expectations and being able to be realistic about what we need and what's important to us and not necessarily taking what family members have said as being that gospel truth, right? So let me, I don't have to be perfect. In fact, I'm not going to be perfect. So let me manage the expectation that I will be. I will show up and do the very best that I can. That may look different from day to day on days that I'm sick, might not be that much effort on days where I'm doing well. And I feel like I've got a lot of good clarity. I might show up and be a better version of me. But loving myself that no matter where, how I show up, that doesn't mean that I, I did something wrong or that I'm imperfect. It simply means that, that I am who I am. Um, being able to identify those triggers for anxiety. So a lot of times we don't really tune into our bodies to be aware like this anxiety is creeping up. We're not paying attention to our stomach where we sometimes carry those anxious feelings or our neck, back, shoulders where a lot of times we carry that anxious tension. Um, so let me get kind of get tuned into myself and figure out like, what is making me afraid? What is it that is triggering these thoughts that are stopping me from doing things that I may actually benefit from? And so as I begin to assess those triggers, then that's when I can find ways to think about how I'm going to manage them. So maybe I need to do deep breathing. Maybe I need to do meditation. I may need a therapist. I may need some coaching, particularly if I'm um, dealing with some social anxiety and it's difficult for me to feel comfortable around people or if I'm dealing uh, with agoraphobia. So I get to the point where I don't even want to leave my house. So I'm probably going to need more of an intervention then. The good thing is that you have virtual therapy options so you can still be at home while you're trying to do what we call exposure therapy. So I'm just kind of graduating really putting myself in situations that cause me some discomfort and fear, um, that fear hierarchy of I work my way from the things that give me the least amount of fear 
up to the things that give me the greatest amount of fear. Those are all strategies that you can work on with your therapist. Um, may be helpful for me to journal, may be helpful for me to get in a support group. I know when we're anxious, sometimes we don't like to be in group settings, right? Because that's what causes my anxiety. I'm afraid of how these people will judge me and what they will think about me. However, that might be a good opportunity for me to do some of that exposure and challenge myself to go and experience this group and realize that the things that I'm fearful about, a lot of other people are fearful about too. And we can be support for each other as opposed to making each other feel bad. We wanna have a schedule, right? So routine is really important. It helps us with our anxiety. So let me schedule the things that I wanna do. So maybe I want to, again, go to the grocery store. Grocery store gives me anxiety. So I've created this schedule. Um, where I figure out the time of day that the, is the least anxious for me to go. And then I go there and I practice some of these deep breathing and meditation and relaxation strategies in preparation for going. I have my list, right? So that structure routine can help me get through something that's uncomfortable for me. I think it's important that we communicate our needs so that we're consistent um, in our communication style. And a lot of times what we do is we get avoidant when we're fearful. So we don't express things. People have no idea what our needs are. And then when they don't meet those needs, then again, it confirms for us this thing that we're fearful of. See, people can't be there for you. They're not going to be there for you. They're going to let you down. Again, the world is an unsafe place. But if I am open and honest with people about what I need and communicate that effectively with them and let them know when I'm feeling anxious in that moment, then we can actually address what's making me anxious, realize that it may be me feeding my anxiety and not an accurate perception of what the reality is, and I can address it in a more healthy way. I think it's important to have supportive friends, but we don't want to pull on our friends for everything, and that's why it's good to have a therapist so you can balance that out. So I may have supportive friends who I'm like, hey, um, I'm going to challenge myself to go to the movies by myself and I'm talking to this friend who is on the phone with me as I pull up in the parking lot and they like hey you can do this but I don't want to come to them for every single time I'm anxious and them serve as accountability for everything I want to have some balance with that um, make sure you're calm before you make decisions a lot of times we end up being really anxious and fearful and then we're impulsive in our decision making and then we just go back later and beat ourselves up about, see, I told you this is why you don't need to be making these kind of decisions. Instead of me being calm, waiting until I'm not in such a fearful place, weighing my pros and cons, being more intentional about the decision making and sometimes we even need to take 24 hours, um, especially if you're a person that recognizes that you're more impulsive in those first moments after you're anxious and you're less impulsive after some time goes by. So let me take some time and then I'll make a decision. The next day I might find that I make a healthier decision and one that I uh, don't have regrets about. I think you can log times when you try something new um, and say, how did I enjoy it? So you can look back and have some evidence to support like, okay, I don't like everything I tried, but there are a lot of things I did try. And the only reason I figured out that I enjoyed some of these new things is because I actually tried them. So a lot of times when we are in that anxious space, if we have written down like, oh yeah, hey, I actually did accomplish that. This was a time when I made a good decision and it turned out well. This is a time when I planned something and it didn't go like I planned, but I still ended up having a good time or it still ended up turning out to be a good event. Right. So if we can have those reminders, so that helps again with that cognitive restructuring. Let me get out of this place of feeding these negative thoughts and challenge it with some accurate examples of things that uh, occurred that I may not have expected, but they came out in a positive way. 
Um, I think we also want to just really limit our interactions with people who are going to feed our anxiety. So we know that like attract like like attracts like, which means that I am more likely to feel connected to other people who are anxious. But that may not necessarily need to be all of the people I'm around. I may want to be around people who are more confident, people who are more um able to adjust and be flexible and try new things because they will give me an opportunity to challenge myself to do some different things. Um, talking yourself through changes, right? So this makes me uncomfortable. I don't like it. This is not what I plan, but having a conversation with myself about, okay, how can I adjust? Um, this is uncomfortable, but I can be right. The sitting in the emotion, I can be uncomfortable. It is not going to result in me having some catastrophic event. Um, I can be uncomfortable and be able to adjust. And maybe I want to even think about the ways that I can adjust if something happens, if this person doesn't show up on time, if we end up having to go to a different venue for something, if we don't um, get to go to that restaurant that I thought we were going to go to and I'd already looked at the menu ahead of time and planned what I was going to eat. Now we're in this new environment. Okay, well, let me look at this menu, take some time, actually look at the menu and see, hey, what's on here that I may like to try or what's on here that I'm comfortable with and me being okay with that is just in a different restaurant that I had not planned for. And that's about exploring your power of choice. You have the ability to choose different things that fit for you that yes, absolutely may make me a little uncomfortable, but I am capable of making good decisions about those things and choosing something that's a good fit for me in this moment. I don't have to think about 12 steps ahead or 15 steps back. I just think about my present moment right now. What would I like? And I make a decision based on that. And that is the best decision that I can make in the moment. And I think it's also important that we forgive ourselves. A lot of times our anxiety is about us beating ourselves up about things, having these negative thoughts about our inabilities or our imperfections or where we feel like we lack worth um, and where we feel like we're just incapable. So forgiving myself for times that I didn't trust myself, that I didn't believe in myself, that I allowed other people to dictate my worth. So let me forgive me for not believing in me and I can move forward in a way of being able to say, hey, but I believe in you now. And we're going to make the best decision again that we can make in this moment. Okay, so I just want you all to be honest with yourselves about where you are. Make good, healthy decisions in that moment. Think about things. Be able to sit with that anxiety. Be able to adjust as needed. And work on you being your most healthy self, your most well self. Even if the people around you are fearful, that doesn't mean that has to dictate how you live. Okay, be encouraged.